0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It is a victory edition of the mailbag for your AFC West champs, the Kansas City Chiefs going into Foxborough beating the Patriots, the first quarterback under the age of 25 to step into Foxborough in, I don't know how, like the last 24 times or whatever. Maybe it might be all time. Patrick LeVon Mahomes and the Chiefs beat the New England Patriots. Here to help me talk about that game and answer all your questions. First, find him on Twitter, at Chief in Carolina. Matthew Lane, are you fully
2: equipped to do this podcast? Sorry, I, I was not filming you. That was definitely my independent contractors. They were 100% didn't know they weren't allowed to film this video call. That was my mistake. I had no intentions to use this in the future to match your hair look. Wasn't what was happening. No, I'm doing good. I'm glad the Chiefs are coming off a win. Like we, we are a defense first team. Defense wins championships. That is what I've been told. Yes. Greg Stout is pumped. He is ready to go. He's our third buddy here with us today. How are you doing today, bud?
3: Man, I, I, I'll be honest with you guys. This is going to be my flu game. <laughs> my, <laughs> my kid has a double ear infection. We Ugh. were up until 5.30 in the morning this morning. I went to work. It's a brutal, brutal day here. I'm coming in with this like Frank Clark did this weekend, though. This is my flu game. I'm going to dominate this podcast 40% of the time. If somebody can Photoshop Craig's face
1: on on Jordan on the Jordan Pippin photo no 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 a no, free no, draft no. guide for you if you do that and if that.
2: you can photoshop uh, Craig Stout's face as the renaissance man onto Pippin as well two free draft guides oh <laughs> don't know what you'll do with the second one <laughs> I don't know
1: you use it <laughs> i don't know how you i don't know how you qualify the the renaissance man like how do you encapsulate well, that there's a photoshop club like,
2: with Craig Stout dressed as a renaissance man
1: oh that's right that's true Okay, we got some five-star review questions that we need to answer here. I hate you guys. Love you. <laughs> five-star reviews, Ryan Macker. Hey, guys. Love the pod. I was hoping you guys could compare our top free agents we got and compare them to what else was on the market. Sort of like a top five of where Clark, Honey Badger, et cetera, land compared to
3: what was out there in the free agency market. See, I I'm going to just hit on some of the major ones here. I think Tyron Matthew is... Basically neck and neck with maybe Earl Thomas. I, I might I might give Honey Badger an edge over Earl Thomas in the safety market. Kareem Jackson make a strong push here at the end of the year, though. Kareem Jackson's been fantastic for Denver. But honestly, that's it. I, I think that Honey Badger might be at the top there. As far as Frank Clark goes, the injuries and everything like that do have to play into this. And the Packers cleaned up, like getting the – super smith brothers is ridiculous uh you know after that it kind of falls off pretty quick but those two are near the top frank clark's up there a little bit at linebacker no just kidding Damian wilson doesn't factor into this even though he had a great game (laughs) but uh and then cornerback yeah definitely no Yeah. had a great game as well but still mm. not not up there with some of the other markets i would put frank and honey badger near the top five at their position so far this year uh
1: ms asks or myas i don't know how to, how that works but thank you for the five star review hey guys first off huge fan of the ap lab show and the analysis that you guys put together keep crushing it thank you uh, my five-star review question with all the talks, the Chiefs receivers not being able to get open against man coverage. What's the deal with Byron Prinkle? Isn't route running man coverage, his main value add as a receiver. I feel like he's played great on offense when given the chance. What am I missing? Maddie? you have to answer this question. This was made for you.
2: So yes, he is very good as a route runner. He has beaten man coverage when he's been given very few opportunities His issues are he struggles with the catch point a little bit, he's not super aggressive going to get the ball, and he has the tendency to make some easy drops. That sounds like a lot of other wide receivers too, so I can't imagine that either one of those things are exactly what's keeping him off the field. So it's something that we don't know. Maybe he is struggling with the playbook. Maybe he's not as good of a blocker as some other guys. I couldn't tell you the reasoning. It does seem like he's kind of Sammy Watkins' backup, though, and Sammy Watkins, for the most part, has been playing. So maybe if you get another game with Watkins out, you might get more Pringle again as he does fit kind of that more X receiver, the ability to get off the press, run multiple different short and intermediate routes. But besides that, I agree. They should play him more. They should play McCole Hardman more. I don't see why Demarcus Robinson gets so many snaps other than being a good run blocker, but I wish Pringle and Hardman would take the majority of his snaps going forward.
1: Also, uh, Byron Pringle kind of snuck in there this week and got a catch out of nowhere, which I found kind of interesting. I don't know if that's a sign yeah, for the future. They but.
2: brought him on the field to run, what, a screen pass? Mm-hmm, they, more or less. Then he then converted turned, it. Yeah, and he, he looked good doing so. Just, it was a weird thing to see, like, okay, we're going to go to our wide receiver bench and then we're not going to use McCall then We're going to bring Byron Pringle out to run the screen. That's just an interesting move that worked.
1: Uh, NTS Rex just put a five star review. It was a lot of good stuff and kind words, but then he just asks when we're going to put out an app. Uh, it's probably going to have to fall on SB Nation. Although Craig, believe it or not, built an app to chart the defense. Like, this is not a joke. Craig has been using an app to help him chart his defense for the last two years because he is a Renaissance man. Like, he's trying to stay humble and all this stuff. You know, he, he opened the window being like, oh, this is my flu game. Well, now we just get to kind of you know talk about how Craig actually built an app to chart the defense like a savage okay uh, so Craig please get on that app by the way like no. what, what's taking so long <laughs>
3: no no I'm busy very <laughs> very busy
1: doing many other things like a Renaissance man would okay let's go to the uh. Twitter questions we got plenty Jade is 1617. What are the top free agent offensive line this, uh, available this year? And what are the, some of the options for KC? Um, so, and he asked specifically about the interior offensive line. There's not a ton of options. Like, we were kind of going through some of them earlier. I don't want to get too granular because it's still December. There's still a little bit of time left. But I do want to say I, th- I think that they're going to prioritize the interior offensive line. I think they're going to... Um, a free agent is very well in the realm of possibility. The draft too. I think the draft make, you know, I, I think they could wind up using an asset, uh, for a lot of reasons that we might, those might come out later, uh, in the pod. Uh, Fisher, Jamie, 57, Maddie. He just wanted to know how, how many roughing the quarterback calls did they miss?
2: I mean, I, I'm going to say a solid two. I think you could probably make a bunch of arguments, but I feel like it's a pretty safe, bet that Hightower hit Patrick Mahomes out of bounds, and if that happened to a less mobile quarterback than Patrick Mahomes, it's a flag. You get ejected if you do that to Tom, I'm fairly sure. Then you get kicked out of the league. Chase Winovich, I don't like the call, if you call on Chase Winovich mm-hmm. on his sack, but by what they've been calling and what the rule is, he definitely lunged, put his weight on top of, and landed on top of Patrick Mahomes. It's a bad Rule, but based on the rule, that was definitely a penalty.
1: Uh, Move, oh, hold on. So, JPEZ25, if the Chiefs cannot get a bye, what are the odds that Andy
3: Reid sends out most starters from that point or until the postseason? 0%. Uh, I've Uh, seen a lot of people that have even kind of condoned Patrick Mahomes sitting against Denver. Guys, the Chiefs are sitting in the three seed right now. They would face the two seed, which currently is the New England Patriots in Foxborough, where they just went in, played a terrible game by you know on special teams and on offense, and still won. So they want to keep that as much as possible. They're not going to lose. Give they, me time again! <laughs> they don't want to lose and have to go face Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. Uh, clearly one of those is the hotter team in all of this. They don't want to face it. They want to be the three seed. They actually want to be the two seed. So they're going to keep pushing. But if they lost a game, as long as they could try and keep pace with Houston, they want to keep pushing that to try and win that three seed and go to Foxborough if they won an opening weekend. I I'm, I am don't think Andy Reid sits those guys for a second. Okay, this is kind of a
1: duel. I'm just going to ask both of these questions, and we can kind of just break them down. You can answer bits and pieces of so whatever you want. Move back, you suck, <laughs> asks. I came away from the Patriots when thinking the offensive line is the biggest issue with the offense. Everything is rushed, and Pat rarely gets to set his feet. No push in the run game either. Also, Darren D. Piggott asks, was the pass blocking better with Wisniewski in the lineup, Maddie?"
2: Run blocking aspect, the Chiefs are a very bad run blocking team right now. They run a lot of zone. They run a lot of RPOs. They're not very good at them, but it's not as if the Chiefs offensive design is making it easy on them either. I think you kind of see them get get and look a little bit better late in games when the entire goal is just to run the ball, but they're still not a good unit. It's just the way the offense is set up and the players that they have. As far as the pass blocking goes, I think it got slightly better with Wisniewski in there. I think he's a quality gr- offensive guard or center, whichever one they want to play him at, and he should probably play more. The thing is, You can pick any of the three interior offensive line spots to plug him in, and he's going to be better than the guy in front of him as a pass blocker. I think that's pretty clear. The offensive line wasn't good, and Patrick Mahomes definitely feels that. He bails from pockets all the time. As soon as he thinks there might be pressure, he's gone. Part of that issue, though, is that he does do that, and it makes him get more pressure than he would if he would just step up in the pocket. Both sides there, the pocket, the offensive line and blocking, the quarterback play, they go against each other, they fight each other the entire game, and it makes each other look worse. Rarely does it make each other look better. Patrick Mahomes makes the protection look better occasionally because he can avoid a free rusher or make a throw under duress, but more often than not, his scrambling early or the blocking this lack of success just makes everybody look bad
3: yeah and it's going to look worse against the patriots who are going to play a lot more games up front like we said in our preview article this offensive line is terrible at picking up stunts you got to see that a little bit again a lot of pressure up the middle What that ends up making Mahomes do is kind of drop a little deeper, and that's tough on your tackles. Like They they don't know how deep to set in those instances. You can have pass rushers kind of just continue to run up the arc, whereas before, if you had a quarterback that was able to step up in the pocket or felt comfortable stepping up in the pocket, because sometimes there's a clean pocket that Pat will bail on, but if there were a a pocket that he felt comfortable stepping up into – Maybe the entire blocking scheme would feel a little bit better because you're not getting that edge pressure. You're not having to have those guys work as hard to carry up the arc. It just—it's an overall symbiosis that's not really, you know, clicking up front. And I just—I—I I, I don't know what they need to do, but the interior offensive line—I I just think that they're going to make a move at some point this offseason, and it might be a big one.
1: There's just a major lack of continuity, and it magnifies the problem when you know. It, I know Pat Mahomes has come out and said that he trusts his offensive line. Of course, he's going to say that. Sure, but I, I I think the tape says things differently. It just does, <laughs> and I mean, even early in the game, there were there's some moments where he was bailing from a clean pocket, and then there was moments where he, his his lack of trust was earned. And so, like, you have that issue there. The thing is, like, Mahomes, I think, actually, believe it or not, hung in a couple times more this week than he did, you know, in the prior two weeks. So, you know, that's a good thing that he was able to kind of, you know, hang in there and deliver a few, a few balls. But you, you still really – you've just got a, some major inconsistencies going along. And until they all get it right, a little bit of trust is built back up, you know, maybe Pat feels a little bit more confident. I think I don't want to call it a lack of confidence with Pat, but I think there is some timidity with how he's playing right now, and it probably has to do with some of the injury stuff he's been dealing with. Jackson Redford asks, Do you think Pat learns to trust his offensive line again come postseason? I think I think it's gonna be a struggle. I think it's gonna be something you might see him deal with through the entirety of the season. I think it could get better. I think there there was some glimpses of it getting better last week. Um he he stuck in there and, and he delivered a couple throws, but he got he got blasted on a couple too because of it. So like there's it's just it's it's something that they're gonna have to navigate. Um, I don't know if they're eventually just gonna have a sit down where they, you know, they talk to Pat and say, Hey, look, you know, I know that there's issues here you just got to, you've just got to work through them you got to push through them this would be a good this could potentially be a good stretch to do it against some good interior or some good pass rushing teams or some guys that you know they some teams that have some guys up front that they can give some fits
2: i think it's going to last all year i don't think this gets fixed until you at least get another offseason. but more than that i think you just need an influx of talent in the interior offensive line You need to get Patrick Mahomes away from the Andrew Wiley, Austin Ryder, LDT combination up the middle. You can deal, because we did last year, with Patrick Mahomes occasionally drifting too far back and making Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz work harder. They're the better players in the offensive line. Yeah, it makes their job more difficult, but you can get through with it. You can get by with it. You put in this interior offensive line that he clearly doesn't trust to hold up against the most basic stunt or even just straight up pass rushes. You get him bailing out of the pocket super early. In the plays that he doesn't bail out of the pocket super early, he's often actually getting pressured up the middle. There's no magic pill to take. Maybe you eventually get an interior offensive line shuffle with Wisniewski coming in. I would love to see Andrew Wiley still play over LDT because he has been the worst of the three on the inside, in my opinion. But I don't think you're going to get a clear-cut fix until next year at best.
1: Uh, okay, uh, Lucas Sylvester asks: Is it just me, or does Hardman seem to be underrated as far as the rookie class this year? Um, you know, it's a it's a hard it's a hard um, it, it's a hard question to answer. I uh, because I don't like we you know we've been critical of McCole Hardman a lot this year, uh, and I still think I think a lot of the things that we've tried to to present to this conversation have some validity to him. Um, he's got a very... He's got a trump card. I think that's the easiest way that I can explain it to 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 people, how I see him. He's got a trump card. He's got uh, very obviously some game-changing speed because he's able to create some explosive plays um, that other guys haven't been able to. Uh, and, you know, I, I think you, you don't really know when you're going to get it necessarily. It's not like a... a He's kind of a, you know, he 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 makes really good cameos. Right? Like he's a he's a very good like he's a cameo that you're, you know, you don't know when you're getting it but when you get it you're you're excited to see it and it's it's like it's kind of a good one. It's like Steve Carell just randomly dropping into a show or something. But um it's hard to to find that consistency with it because it's kind of an all or nothing approach to him. He generates these big explosive plays and he makes these scores and it's very valuable but it's also just it's it's kind of i don't want to call it fickle but it's kind of fickle um but you're always grateful for it when it happens because i think he's made some impacts on some games this season
2: i think it depends on where your baseline rating is i think there is clearly a couple if not more than a couple better rookie wide receivers this year I think DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, these guys are hands down, I think, better receivers than McCole Hardman has been this year. And no doubt about it. Whether stats want to prove it out or you just want to watch them play, they just simply do more than what McCole Hardman does. However, if you want to compare it to, like, say, what I thought McCole Hardman was going to do this year in terms of production, he's vastly outperformed what I thought he was going to do. Now he's doing it the exact same way that I thought he would. He's running three maybe four routes he just is finding a lot more success on them especially earlier in the year than I thought he was going to in the NFL but like Kent said you're essentially getting one play a game of that and it's not that it catches a defense by surprise it's just something that's hard to prepare for when it's not happening not happening and then one of his 11 snaps just happened to be him beating a guy over the top and that's good you need that as a team but I'm not so sure how you fit this on a scale in terms of bad to good because every other snap is essentially bad or not happening. It's just the good snap are very good.
3: Yeah, it's it's maximizing the most of of what he does. And yeah, I I underrated him. I thought when he was drafted, I think most people thought that he was drafted to attempt to be a Tyree Kill replacement, which he's very clearly not that guy. But we we said that once Tyree Hill was not suspended with Sammy Watkins playing, we said that was the best thing for McCole Hardman because he could be brought along slowly and he could be utilized in ways that maximized his skill set. That's what you've seen, you know. Andy Reid, I keep seeing these people that are saying, "Oh, McCole Hardman needs to touch the ball more. He needs to get the ball more. We, they need to get him out there more in place of Sammy Watkins. He's just not that same type of receiver." and Andy Reid using him in the ways that he has, like Matt said, is kind of catching a defense by surprise. It's, It's bringing in fresh legs against maybe some guys that are expecting something different. And getting him out there is doing more damage by giving him a limited role, a more focused role to use him in than trying to say, okay, now go out there and try and do everything that Sammy Watkins does because he's not that type of receiver yet.
1: Right, and I, I think that's the that that's the struggle for me. Is like you know we, we do hear people say like, "Use Sammy more," or not "Use McColl more." Use McColl more, and like I, I get it. Like, you see the production, but mm-hmm. I mean, there's been games where he's gotten more opportunities, and it's not like he's, you know, a volume. He's just not a volume guy, and that's okay. That's okay. He's he's got value to this football team, uh, and and he's got a a big play element. And he did it in on a big stage against a very good football team. When we kind of said we needed McCole Hart, the Chiefs needed McCole Hardman to do something like that. To so one of the secondary guys, to this, to these, to these offensive pieces, had to make a big play, and he did. And that was huge for them winning that football game. We're gonna take a break, and we will be back right after this. Okay, some more questions from Twitter. Chief BoyardG asks, when we needed a big play or it was third down, it seemed like Sammy Watkins was the first option, more than I'd like to see, especially versus Stephon Gilmore. Seemed like Tyreek Hill got frustrated because he was left out of every major play. Any idea of why that would be the game plan?
2: I think that Sammy Watkins, after the first play where he very clearly was lackadaisically just running into the sideline at Pat, hit his hand with a football and Sammy looked completely lost. I think Sammy Watkins played a pretty good game. Like you said, he was matched up with the best cornerback in the NFL this year, one-on-one a lot, and he made more than one quality catch. Some of those were in zone, against zone coverage, but he made a couple big-time plays for the Chiefs, and he's still catching a lot of flack after this game, like he did something, like the first play over and over again. He had a solid game. He made some third down conversions. He made some nice catches over the middle. He did essentially what you would want Sammy Watkins to do when he's drawing the man coverage for Stephon Gilmore. Now, why were the Chiefs going to him so much? Because the Patriots are the Patriots. They were taking away Tyree Kill as much as they could. They did a good job mixing it up this year by playing a lot more zone. They weren't doubling Hill as often as they did last year, but it still happened plenty. You start to get the zoomed out views and you get replays. Unfortunately, like the coach's film isn't out there yet, but you still see a deep safety constantly sitting over top of Tyree Hill and ignoring the other half to third or two thirds of the field. If he's a far split. So you take Tyree kill away by that. And then it's DeMarcus Robinson, Sammy Watkins or Travis Kelsey. And they use Travis Kelsey clearly more than Watkins. So I think Watkins kind of filled in right where you would expect him to in terms of the target share.
3: Yeah, and Sammy actually gave Stephon Gilmore a a little bit more than he could handle on on a business. bunch of those reps. Yeah, mm. I, I mean, especially there on the sidelines. Yeah. Sammy won that one, guys. Sammy won that one. Stefan Gilmore was holding Sammy all the game long. He got one called against him, That's which was his
2: entire game. That Let's was be clear, I know that, that is, is Stephon Gilmore's entire ability to entire play quarterback game. is to hold.
3: Yeah, but. Sammy was able to exploit it. He was able to gain enough separation on that release to force Stefan to grab him, to force it to become incredibly obvious, even more so than it normally is. So that's that's a really good corner. That's a guy that people throw in there as defensive player of the year. I felt like he gave him plenty throughout the game. Yes, I wish we got a more switched on Sammy. More often, we've spoken on it plenty as this year has gone along that he's just not done enough. I, I'm not complaining too terribly much about the Stefan Gilmore that we got or the Sammy Watkins that we got against Stephon Stefan Gilmore.
1: I think Sammy got Sammy Watkins in the AFC championship game a few times too, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like, I mean, there's, there's some, there's some trust there. I think I, I'm sure uh, some of it was just circumstantial. I think they went, I think the chiefs were in a four by one on a third down and and Sammy was isolated backside and they threw a back they tried to throw a little fade to him cuz he was one on one and there was I think they were in a 4 by 1 kind of look if i remember correctly or a 3 by 1 or something Tyreek motion over the side and they just tried to throw a fade ball to 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 Sammy there's i mean there's some trust there and and I, I i i look i i think like i don't know i think the pendulum swung might have swung a little too far on Sammy like he should still be on the field over all these guys that we're talking about, he should still be on the field over McColl and D Rob like one 10 times out of 10. He's a better receiver than both of them, and it's not close right now. And that's not saying I'm not even trying to like stand for, for Sam either because like Sam's got his issues, Sam's going to be cut at the end of the season, he's not going to be back for 21 million dollars. But, like, let's, like, you don't have to dismiss everything about Sammy Watkins either at the same time. D. Johnson29, how do you like, uh, or did you like how they used Travis Kelsey yesterday? Seemed like he was chipping guys this time. Roll reversal from the first two matchups last year, Matty.
2: I don't think the Chiefs went out of their way to do something different with Travis Kelsey. I still don't think they split and they isolated him enough. I don't think they made it difficult for the Patriots to send multiple guys at him and Tyreek Hill at the same time. But what I do think was different, I think his demeanor was a little different. I think you saw him, like you said, chip a few more guys coming off the line of scrimmage, and it seemed like he was the one initiating contact. And I don't know if that's something that he goes to the coaches and says, no, I'm okay with this right now or what it is. But last year, he was taking more of the hits than dishing them out. This year, he was definitely coming off the line and giving the hits before getting into his route concepts. so I don't know if he felt more comfortable beating the Patriots linebackers and DBs that were on him this year than he did last year, or I don't know if he just wanted to come out and play that more physical of a game, but I had no issues with it. I still wish they would isolate him like they did Sammy Watkins a few times a little bit more often against the Patriots, but... Especially when the Patriots were trying to play Patrick Chung on them, I think that was one of the biggest mismatches of the entire game. They didn't do that enough, but overall, I had no real major issues.
1: Uh, Bezel Bubbles asks, "Why do they hate? Why do the Chiefs hate playing Darwin Thompson so much when Lashawn McCoy is way less effective,
3: based on Thompson's small sample size?" I I think it's funny that Shady is the guy that they're picking on here. Um, Spencer Ware outsnapped every running back this week, and Spencer Ware was in there because he can pass protect. You got to see Spencer Ware absolutely lay out a linebacker and pass protection this week. Darwin Thompson just can't be trusted to do that right now. That's kind of what we're seeing. When they get him the ball in the run game, he tends to bounce and bounce and bounce and look for the edge, look for the outside. We saw it a couple times where it just didn't work out and he ends up not gaining anything or losing yardage he is a superior you know more dynamic player in the passing game he did drop a pass but he's able in space to make guys miss he's able to run guys over we love darwin thompson but frankly uh, the when the games on the line and they want to throw the ball darwin thompson's not the guy that they turn to particularly against a blitz heavy team like the Patriots or a team that runs a lot of games up front like the Patriots they wanted a player that they could trust to step in there and protect Patrick Mahomes who was hurt so they went with a guy that they just picked up off the street that knew the system a little bit better and Spencer Ware and Shady McCoy is just starting the game and he's clearly on a pitch count because we just don't ever see him again after the start of the game so when they needed to turn away from that pitch count they went to Ware because he can pass pro better.
2: I just want to throw in a little bit of stats here. Darwin Thompson is averaging three yards per carry on the season after his breakout game last week. He was averaging less than two yards per carry against the Patriots. LaShawn McCoy, while not being able to run very well, was still averaging nearly four yards per carry against the Patriots and nearly five yards per carry on the year. Don't We can't act like Darwin Thompson is significantly better at running the football than LaShawn McCoy right now. He, his nice five-yard play may look better because he burst through a hole, but there's more than one play every single week that LaShawn McCoy turns a two-yard loss into a two-yard gain, and that means pretty much the same thing, and he's been consistent all year. If there's going to be even the slightest resemblance of good blocking, he's going to get you that four-ish yards every single carry. That's why he gets all the early carries.
1: Uh, I kind of want to piggyback on that too we were just gonna let craig answer but now we just all want to jump in you kind of saw early like i this was my fear with darwin and i think the moment was a little bit too big for him early really misread a run play early a really bad drop early just some some real you know critical mistakes that you really you know that's a big that's a big stage to try to throw him into the fire he came back and he kind of like he kinda of like really safely held on to the football. Like he wasn't even I really trying it. to make a play. It was kinda of like the kid on New York Giants running around saying,
2: Blow the whistle!
1: Blow the whistle on little giants. That's little giants? Little Giants, what did I say? I don't know.
2: The New York Giants, I believe. Oh
1: gosh. Well, little he I had two I hands added added on little that Giants ball. The Man, he was really I fine like, with that. <laughs> no, I am too. He won
2: and I was, it was like holding the ball protect button in Madden. How your guy just runs like half yeah. speed huddled over. <laughs> Right. It was just like, it was like a very
1: concerned effort. Like don't screw up. Don't screw up. Don't screw up. Don't screw up. And like, I think that's kind of the mentality that you get when, you know, you're thrown into the fire like that. That's why I was kind of a little timid to say, okay, let's just throw Darwin Thompson out there. This next three games, this is probably a good opportunity to, to get him some run here and see what he can do and see how much more confident. And he still did some good things in the passing game. Like I don't want to dismiss anything. Cause like, I'm, st- I still like Darwin. Like I still like, I'm still a Darwin fan. Still had the the great contact balance that you really like to see, even though he was like just dead set on not fumbling the football, uh, which at this point, guys, that's a Listen, trait you like. I'm taking it, I'm taking it out
3: of my running backs. Being the guy who writes about the defense, yes. Run like that all game long for all I care. Right.
1: Uh, Okay. Max Arquilla asks, do you think Andy Reid has become too conservative? My question to you would be, when has Andy Reid not been conservative? Like, (laughs) some of his play calling is aggressive, but he shuts it down very often. Um, Okay. So, um, here uh, here are – I got a couple questions for you. Let's start with this one. Um, If you had to put a percentage blame on the offense's inability to close at a game, what would it be? Uh Reed, the offensive line, Mahomes, and other Maddie.
2: Look, I'm not gonna assign particular percentages of this because every single one of these things affects the next one. Like it just becomes this giant vicious circle. Andy Reed's play calling this year, I don't think has been particularly good. I've been very vocal about it on our podcast, on Twitter, wherever you want to find it. I think he's not only calling a conservative game, he's not doing a good job helping the rest of his team. He's not helping Patrick Mahomes, he's not helping the offensive line, he's not helping the wide receivers. Is that because the offensive line can't block for more than two seconds? Is Andy Reid having to call these plays because the offensive line is playing terrible because Patrick Mahomes is maybe missing some players or bailing out of the pocket too early because the wide receivers can't separate? Yeah, that probably plays a part, but maybe the offensive line's blocking horribly because Andy Reid's dialing up 13 vertical shots for every two, three step pass that he calls. Maybe Patrick Mahomes is bailing because he's supposed to be reading on seven step drops all the time, so on and so forth. Everything's related I think between what you're getting right now is you're getting an offense that's playing good roughly half the time, and then during the half the time, they keep having silly mistakes that really cost them, whether it's a penalty, a Travis Kelsey fumble, little stuff like that. And the other half the time, Andy Reid, offensive line, Patrick Mahomes, and the wide receivers combine to not help each other as often as they need to to create a offense that's in rhythm.
3: Yeah, and since Maddie won't play the game, I will. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Andy Reid, 51% offensive line 21%, Patrick Mahomes 18%, and ball security 10%. Next.
2: Wow. Oh, no blame for wide receivers. I'm disappointed.
1: There's so many things I want to blame right now. Um I think Andy Reid The
2: dirt, the wind.
1: I actually think so I I don't want to like okay, I think I think a decent chunk of this actually falls on the on Mahomes and the offensive line, believe it or not. I think if you gave me I'd say offensive line 30% Mahomes 30% with the context of um I think some of the Mahomes stuff isn't I think it's not I don't want to call it just it's not it's mental kind of is really what it is I think there's some mental stuff he's having to play through and the physical stuff as well so like I think it's both those things I think there's there's been some inconsistencies with his, you know, him mentally, I think there's been some lack of trust and a lack of confidence in, in with some of the injury stuff that he's been dealing with. The receivers give me like, I don't know, 10%, uh, and then read whatever the rest of the math is, because I think Reed, I, I think Reed deserves a lot of blame, but I also think it's in the context of what he's dealing with um, as far as the personnel is concerned. I think there's some major issues and some major underlying issues going on with this entire group both with Pat and the offensive line and the injuries and the ball security and the receivers. Like I think if you combine, combine all those things together, like we see lulls with Andy Reid all the time. There's always these big droughts with him from a play calling perspective. This is the longest one we've seen. Um, they're winning through it, which is great. Normally they lose through these stretches, but um, I I think it, it, it's, it's, it's it's complicated to try to piece this thing all together and, and, and distribute blame. But like, I think there's gonna we're gonna find out way more issues are behind the scenes than we realize when it's all said and done when it comes to injuries and stuff people are playing through and, and all that kind of stuff. I there's just there's just so much it's it's the most nuanced thing and it's it's hard for me to wrap my brain around and me and Maddie and Craig are always talking about it anyway. Like we it's there's bitter arguments about it, just fisticuffs. It's it's crazy. Uh, Simu 7 and Lit McGee kind of asked the same kind of question. I'll ask Lowlett McGee, McGee's question. What's it going to take for the offense? Uh, to uh, Mahomes and the offense to get back on track. Will we ever see a good offense and good defense at the same time, or is it just that too much to ask? Uh, are we as fans being unreasonable? No, I don't think you're being unreasonable. I think you can watch the game and look at it and say, okay, there's some inconsistencies here, there's some things that we're not used to seeing. I think. Uh, I don't know if the offensive line is going to be able to make massive strides over the next three weeks, and once they do, they're still going to be t- facing a much more d- different beast, a-, a significantly more difficult beast in in you know in the playoffs. I think Mahomes, if he's, I don't think he's going to be healthy the rest of the season. I think there's going to always just be something with him because that's just the reality we live in right now, and I don't think he's going to be able to build his trust. So I, I think they'll be able to make strides. I don't think they're going to be able to, to get to the, the the 2018 version we saw. Um, and I don't think it's unreasonable. And if they if they do see a good offense and defense at the same time, they're going to win the Super Bowl.
2: I think getting back to 2018's offense and then getting back to that level is definitely unrealistic now to start the season. I mean, in hindsight, it obviously looks like it was always unrealistic as that was kind of our expectations. But at the beginning of the year, I think you could see the rationale for why they would continue to be that dominant at this point. I think you're just hoping to be able to pull out that level of offensive execution and dominance just in spurts. If you can get a drive here and there, maybe back-to-back drives that look like last year's offense, you call that a win, and you have enough talent, good enough coaching to piece together the rest. I think you're just missing right now those chunks of the game where the offense looks unstoppable, like we don't even have those for chunks of games right now. And if you get those back, then I think you are looking at a good offense and a good defense at the same time, which makes the team very deadly in terms of a Super Bowl contender. And let's also not kid ourselves. The offense has still been fine. It's still been good. It just hasn't been leading the team like we all thought it was going to be.
3: I think this will happen when the offense finally plays up to the level of my defense and man I've been waiting to say that for a long time. <laughs> no. Tennessee. It's Tennessee. Tennessee. I know, I know. Yeah, that's trust me. My mentions remind me of the Titans anytime I say something positive about the defense. The Juggernaut Ryan Tannehill hey, led off. They look great right now, man. Now, I I think that I, I think that the reason why we all expect that is because it's the same weapons. It's the same coaching staff it's Patrick Mahomes, it's all of these things that were very similar to what we saw last year that should be able to execute at that level. We should, you know, we saw the second quarter against the Raiders, you know, early in the season. If you got one of those a game, this team is blowing teams out. But the problem is, they have a drive where they look good, they stall out on another one, and then they just shut stuff down for an entire half, and they're leaning on this defense, and rightfully so, we all are being hyper hypercritical of the offense not moving the ball because none of us trust the defense. We've been hurt too many times, and I get that. I understand that completely. So instead, we place these, these very, very, you know, not unreasonable, but high expectations on the offense to go out and execute score touchdowns every time they touch the ball, get down the field with these nine minute long drives that score touchdowns when realistically, most teams in the NFL can't do that sort of, you know, don't have that sort of offensive execution. A lot of them would kill for what the Chiefs are doing right now, but we've seen it. We know it's there. We know what it can be, and because there's still all these weapons and the play callers that were there last year doing it, we're all just kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop with that offense and to finally click better than it is right now.
1: The funny thing is, they're fourth in the NFL in scoring still, which is just I know, wild. I know, but it's it's right? Weird. Exactly. That's it's what I'm weird. saying. They're team kill for what the Chiefs are doing, but it's not been it's not been satisfying even in the slightest. Uh, the best question we've probably got all year. Nate CH 479. Be honest. Your life depends on the winner of the 2018 versus 2019 Chiefs. Who are you taking? Okay.
3: This is really tough for me. Really, really, really I tough why. for me. <laughs> you know why? Because the 2018 Chiefs offense was ridiculous. That that was an amazing offense. I feel like they can beat Anybody and the way that this offense is executing right now, particularly how it's protecting Patrick Mahomes, D Ford, Justin Houston, and Chris Jones by the end of the year, there, even though the secondary was bad and the linebackers were bad, those three guys up front could do enough to limit the 2019 version of Patrick Mahomes or at least make him very skittish. That being said, the rest of that defense is crap so <laughs> if, i would trust andy reed to be able to expose the 2018 chiefs defense even with this 2019 offense and i think maybe steve spagnuolo comes up with that one extra stop and the game ends 54 51 2019 chiefs
2: yeah no 2018 chiefs not close um D Ford, as long as I get Jordan Hamilton, Justin Houston's out here playing, Chris Jones, like Patrick Mahomes is gonna have zero time to stand in the pocket the way this offensive line's protecting. He's gonna bail a little early because that's what he's done this year. Like the off the Chiefs defense from last year was absolutely atrocious, but it oddly would be a decent matchup for the way this offense is playing this year. They put on a great pass rush, especially if they get out in front. And good luck blocking Chris Jones, D4 to Justin Houston with the way this offensive line and Patrick Mahomes' pocket awareness has been that year. I think that this offense would obviously score points. I just don't know how many points because it would be pretty ugly when they drop back to pass. As far as a 2018 offense versus this defense, they would destroy the corners on this team. I mean, they would obviously work <laughs> both ways but Patrick Mahomes, the pass protection, the whole offense was more in sync last year. I think it's going to be hard to get by, you know, Honey Badger, Juan Thornhill, and everybody, every single play. But Tyree Kill versus Travis Ward, Sammy Watkins versus Bashad Breeland, Travis Kelsey versus, I mean, anybody, even Honey Badger, as much as I like him, he's like a foot shorter. Like, we are not talking about good matchups across the board here. I think it would look a lot like the Rams game from last year, and I don't think this offense is ready for that kind of
3: shootout. Can't, you're the tiebreaker, man.
1: I, uh, I'm gonna say the 2018 team, and I hate to say that because I don't want to root for Orlando Scandrick. <laughs> then don't join the dark side. Let's go. I just I the 2018 has has a 2018 team has a trump card, uh, and and that's that's ultimately why they have an elite offense the 2019 isn't team isn't elite at anything 2018 has a trump card give me the 2018 team vitamin j asks why were the chiefs so effective at stopping the run game additionally what do you think of tano pasano's development and do you think he's earned an extension
3: this offseason i uh, the defensive line played phenomenal that i think that's what won them Against the run this week, really Derek, did Derek Nottie and Mike Pinnell and Colin Saunders. Even Colin Saunders blew up a screen. I made a fantastic, I you know awareness there. Alex Okafor had his best game against the run. Set a nice shout out hard edge. Yes, shout out Demon De- Harris. De- Demon Harris set a good hard edge, and then Frank Clark, as we talked about earlier, was an absolute monster in this game, even against the run. So I, I think you just had the front lines doing their business really, really, really well. The linebackers, Damian Wilson and Reggie Ragland were good as well, but Anthony Hitchens, woof, just woof. This might have been his worst game of the year, but it didn't matter because the guys up front did their job really well. And then as far as Tano goes, if he can bulk up a little bit, strength up a little bit, be able to set an edge in the run game, you know, his play processing is much better his technique is better under Brendan Daly. He's actually turning into a nice juice option in the dime when they're rushing the passer. That front four of Okafor, Clark, Jones, and Tano Passino is really, really strong, and it was really strong this week. K Pass isn't isn't really an afterthought in that. He's making plenty of plays, He's getting plenty of pressure, and obviously, you know the the field goal stops are great too, but. I do think that if they could buy him really, really cheap this offseason, that they might. But I do think that he needs to take another step in development. This is kind of the first step in development. He needs to take that other one before I think they'd be comfortable really putting some serious money in front of him.
1: The real case swag, how much money is the leadership alone of Honey Badger and Frank Clark work? Worth, I think the change in mindset of the D is because of them 100%, Maddie.
2: It's almost like the Chiefs set out to draft attitude or to sign attitude and leadership and free agency or something. Like, it's weird. 100%. (laughs) That was
1: their 2018 draft, too, but there's not really a good. Okay. We're
2: not going there yet. There's 100% (laughs) There's 100% <laughs> of the money that those two guys are getting is worth it because you can see on the field in terms of the energy, but it, not even just the energy, but kind of like the seriousness, the physicality, like it comes and starts with these two. Yes. Chris Jones has had more highlights this year of him getting in guys' faces and just being a little bit more talkative on the field. Anthony Hitchens, Damian Wilson, these guys fly around a little bit. They, you know, they're puffing their chests out a lot more this year than they did last year. I'm sure part of that's the coaching staff. I'm sure part of it's playing better, but it doesn't take long when you watch to see Tyron Matthew yelling at sidelines, you know, pointing to his head, talking about how smart he is on the field. Frank Clark just jawing nonstop every single week. Like you can just watch one game and tell where that attitude, where that kind of swagger is coming from. I mean, Mike Pinnell even seems to be a guy. You can tell when he makes a big play, he comes out of that play with a lot of energy, These guys they're bringing in now fit that mold. And yeah, your two highest paid guys on defense are 100% where it starts. But they've lived up to that bill. I mean, Tyron Matthews making calls pre-snap. And then after the play, he's taunting the other team. He's taunting coaches in the sideline. Frank Clark doesn't ever stop talking, even though he's sick. He's losing weight and vomiting nonstop. And he's still out there talking trash to Isaiah Wynn after every rep that he beats him. These guys brought that energy, and the Chiefs told you that's why they brought them in. People just didn't want to believe it when it took shockingly an entirely new defense and new coaching staff time to gel. Like it took time. Now you're seeing it.
1: Uh I'm just gonna say this. I think a few guys that are on that were on the team last year probably don't play uh with the flu like Frank Clark. Did. Justin Houston does not play with the flu. Oh wow! You just you put a name
3: to it. No, I'm I putting a name on it. Justin Houston took play, play Justin with flu. Houston took plays off last year. Justin Houston's not playing with the flu. Eric Berry with his spirit
1: and his mega cap. Last year's Eric um, Berry is
2: not playing with the flu. Correct. I would, I will say yes, prime yes. Eric Berry. Prime Eric Berry would. would yes
1: one hundred percent. But yes. last year's Eric Berry would not. I don't want to. I'm not trying to slander EB, but last year Eric Berry would not play with. He wouldn't play. Uh, D Ford on a non-contract year, not playing. D Ford's missed a lot of time this year, folks. Not a coincidence, folks. And Russell, 2018. Have Casey fans lost the right to question Frank Clark's motivation? Yes. He's he's <laughs> he's a he's a significant. I, I was. I thought you this question. I thought that, I yes. I thought that yes, was yes. You have. Spiel. No, I I don't I don't have the energy for it. The Cheese Fan Twenty Four asks: Is this the de- is this defense for real, or is it a product of playing two old men like Craig, and a
3: little brother that wears makeup?
1: <laughs> Derek Carr
3: I, joke at the end. Yeah, no, I did love the Derek Carr joke. Um, time, out. See, no, no,
1: time out. That's part of it. on, time Did you see Derek Carr throw the ball, I, away, on throw the ball away on fourth down? Throw the ball away on fourth down in the red in zone. Goal.
3: Yeah, like a coward. This is not the first yeah. time
2: he's done that in his career. This is not the first time he's done that this year. So, season. Yeah. I'm just say, it's this season. This isn't the
1: first time he's done it this I season.
3: <laughs> Terrible.
1: My goodness. The other alternative awful. would be him fumbling it out of
3: the end zone like he uh, has before. So, anyways, continue, <laughs> Craig. Sorry. I. It definitely helps to be playing bad offenses. Like, I'm, I'm not going to try and say that this is all the defense is doing here. It helps to play offenses that aren't clicking as much. Maybe don't have the right kind of weapons to challenge. I uh, obviously, you know, this, this defense playing the way that they are is affecting that, but it does help to be playing that. Now, that being said, I've said it now. This is the third week in a row that I'm gonna put this in an article that good defenses make bad offenses look worse. And that's exactly what happened. The Patriots' offense was awful because Steve Spagnuolo's game plan coming into this his blitz packages the way that they played on the back end the secondary was well the safeties particularly were pretty good but the defensive line dominated set the tempo and let them know I honestly that the defensive game plan and the execution was fantastic this week and it made them look awful 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 And the Patriots had to resort to hurry up a lot to try and keep tempo and try and get favorable matchups. And guess what? Still didn't work. So I I think that it is a product of this defense playing well. This is the motivation you want going into January. You got more bad offenses to run through here. Keep making them look awful because we've seen the kind of swagger and motivation that these guys are playing with carry that to January. You never know what's going to happen. Carry that hot streak into January because guys that are playing confident, guys that are playing with that kind of motivation, those are the types of teams that can push for the end. We saw it with the Giants and, you know, with Steve Spagnuolo before. Those are the types of teams that can push for a championship.
2: I think the defense is for real in terms of improving. They're playing better just about every single week. They've gotten better since the beginning of the year. Like, that's 100% real. I think the the product of the teams that they have played lately has helped. When you look at this defense, there's still two fatal flaws. There's no speed or range on the second level. They still can be taken advantage of when you get runs outside contained or when you force these linebackers or even safeties when it's Dan Sorensen playing as a linebacker into coverage. The cornerbacks are also a problem still. The Patriots don't have the wide receivers to stress the cornerbacks we saw them have some success targeting Anthony Hitchens or Daniel Sorensen in coverage, but the Chiefs were doing a good job using Thornhill and Tyron Matthew in those zones and getting to Tom Brady to where he couldn't have the time to find those checkdowns. The Raiders don't have any receivers worth mentioning, and the Chargers couldn't protect Phillip Rivers, and nor could he throw a ball to anybody. Like They play good matchups for the way their defense is set up, and the good news is, I don't think the Chiefs are going to play another team that really take advantage of their specific holes on the defense until they maybe play the Bills or the Ravens in the playoffs. Like You've got a couple games coming up where your cornerbacks aren't going to be destroyed. I mean, maybe Cortland Sutton gets you a couple times, but I don't think the Denver Broncos wide receiver group or the Bears with Mitchell Trubisky throwing the ball, I don't think there's a team that can take advantage of the corners and the linebackers good enough to make them look terrible until you see Lamar Jackson again in the playoffs.
1: You think about you know some of those those jet runs uh, were the thing that kind of got the Patriots going. You know some of those little jet sweeps, those edge runs were the things that kind of got the Patriots going a little bit in the second half. Um, you know I, I think you know, I, a lot of credit to this defense though. I mean th- I think they had like 75 yards and a touchdown on trick plays, and the rest of it was just you know it, it it was domination it was a beautiful thing to watch alright that's going to do it for the mailbag edition we will be back to preview the Chiefs Broncos games but maybe we'll be back a little earlier with a surprise drop show if you stuck around you heard that catch you later
3: A-D-G.